Well, we're thinking over these uh, three weeks about giving. And uh, we're looking at verses from Paul's letter to the Christians in the city of Corinth. Last week, we looked at the heart of giving. They gave themselves first to the Lord. Today, we're looking at the reason for giving. It's very simple. It can be summed up in one word, in the word love. We give to what we love and we give because we love. It works the other way round as well. If you want to know what you love, then look at what you spend your surplus money on. The money that is over and above our essential needs or the essential needs of those for whom we are responsible or for the things that we're required to pay, like taxes. And interestingly, paying taxes is a spiritual <laughs> responsibility. It's not just a legal duty, it's a spiritual duty. Because actually the Lord Jesus tells us to pay our taxes. But after that, how do we spend our money? Is it on a bigger or more modern flat? Clothes? Technology, restaurants, gaming, savings, gambling, investment, entertainment, travel, holidays. We spend our surplus money on what we love. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's what Jesus says in our Gospel reading, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Although what I notice about that is Jesus seems to say it's where you spend your money, that is where your heart can follow. So be careful of how we spend our money, because what we spend our money on, our heart can sometimes follow that. So here, Paul writes to the Corinthians, who have said that they will make a collection for their Christian brothers and sisters in Jerusalem and Judea. They're suffering from famine, He's spoken about the generosity of the Macedonian churches, neighbouring churches, to Corinth. And he says they gave themselves first to the Lord. And now he writes to the Corinthians, I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. If their love is genuine, then they will carry through with their promise to give. If their heart is really with God, then they will give. But I'd like to go one stage further and say the more you love, the more you will give. If you really love someone, or if you really love something, really love it, you will strip yourself of everything for the sake of the object of your love. Jesus tells the story of a collector of pearls. He finds a pearl that he has been looking for all his life. That is so, so beautiful. And that is precious beyond imagination. So he sells everything that he has in order to buy that one pearl. That is what Jesus does. He stripped himself of everything for us. Just before Jesus goes to the cross to be crucified for us, he meets with his disciples for a final meal. During supper, Jesus strips himself of his outer robe, 
ties a towel around his waist, kneels down and washes his disciples' feet. It was the job of a slave. By the way, this stole is actually a symbol of a towel. Just to remind ministers that actually <laughs> we're called to wash people's feet. And in doing that, Jesus was giving them a picture of what he was doing for them. Or in the words of Philippians chapter 2, although he was in the form of God, Jesus did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He did it for us. And in our reading we've just heard from Corinthians, you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. He stripped himself of everything. He became human, became a slave, was obedient to death, even going through hell for us so that we might become rich. Not materially rich, but rich in a much richer way, if you get what I mean. He gave himself so that we might become whole, complete in relationship with him, with his Father through the Holy Spirit. He came so that we might be in the illustration I used from last week, like that lost jigsaw piece being placed into the puzzle the right way round, in the right place. He emptied himself so that we might be filled with his Holy Spirit, part of his body, his church, with hope and meaning and forgiveness and peace and power, and with his presence. Jesus gave himself for his enemies, so that in love his enemies might become his friends for eternity. And the great command that we have been given as people who have received the love of God, the gift of Jesus Christ, is the command to love. We've been shown love and we respond with love. Love God, love our neighbour as if they were one of our own people. And if we really love, if we love God and if we love our neighbour, if that love is genuine, then we will imitate Christ. We will give. We will give, and we will give sacrificially to the work of the gospel, to the work of proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ, proclaiming the love of Jesus Christ. We will give to the church, to the ministry of the church, to the support of ministers and mission workers, and to the administration, which makes it all possible. To put it bluntly, if we do not give to the ministry of the church, then there can be no ministry here at St Andrews. There's no funding, people often think that there is funding from the UK uh, or from the Church of England. Um, because they, people think that because the Church of England is the established church in England, then it must receive money from the UK state or from the embassy for the work of the ministry or for the building. But it doesn't work like that in England. <laughs> Uh, and, and it doesn't. 
The ministry of the Church of England, both here and in the United Kingdom, depends completely on the giving of the people. There is not, as there are in many countries in Europe, a church tax or anything like that. It is completely dependent on the giving of the people. And if people do not give, so churches will have to close and we will have to cut back on full-time ministers. And that's actually happening. We are here fortunate to have donations from those who use the building. But to simply maintain this building, both the sort of utility bills and the costs and the guards uh, and the office and various other things, uh, I, I'm, talk I'm not talking about the restoration here. I'm also not talking about the ministry, about Glenn or, or myself. But simply to maintain the building costs us $80,000 a year. If you want to add in ministry costs on top of that, it's another $80,000 a year. And we are completely dependent, completely dependent on your giving for the work of ministry. People sometimes say, I love Jesus Christ. But for instance, I hope you don't hear this said here, but, I, but people do say it and say it to me, but I don't hear the church preaching Jesus Christ. I hear it preaching a particular view of human sexuality or of vaccines or of right-wing or of left-wing political convictions. Fair enough, if that's the case, if that's what we think, don't give. We give to what we love. But do not use that as an excuse not to give to ministry in general. Give to another church or to a mission organization that is preaching Jesus. And let's not be like the Corinthian Christians here, having the intention to give, but not carrying through with the intention. And there's a second and perhaps more serious challenge here in our reading. If we genuinely love God, then we will also love our Christian brother or sister. Fellow Christians are far more to us than just neighbours. They're driven by the same love as us. They have the same heart as us. They are part of the same family. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're part of the same body. They are the other jigsaw pieces. Without them, we are not complete. And so Paul here urges the Corinthian Christians to show sacrificial love for other believers, for the believers in Jerusalem who are suffering a famine, even for other believers they have not met and who they will never meet. Corinth is quite a long way away from Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians 8 is an example of how the church of God works together as one body. When one part of the church is in financial need because of disease or the impact of climate change or famine or war, and another part is experiencing a time of abundance, then the part that is experiencing abundance should give to the part that is experiencing need. Why? Because the love of God is in us and we're part of one another. John, in his letter, writes, How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Why? 
Well, it says here, it's a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance. By the way, I'm not saying with this that we should not give to other good causes. Of course we should. We, We run pub quizzes and aids of Mary's Meals. It's an amazing charity providing uh, food for children, lunches for children who might possibly not get a meal, who might have to be out working in order to earn the income so that uh, they can't go to school. And it provides money so that those children can have meals. Uh, we, We have the lavachka downstairs which is specifically for people who are in need. But the world, the world will give to children in need. The world will give to cancer research, to the homeless, to animal charities, even to restoration. What it will not give to is the work of ministry, or specifically Christian believers in need. Why should it? We're talking about our Lord and our people. Nash Gaspod, Inashi Ludi. Our, in a way that transcends family and national boundaries. Just as Jesus, who was rich, became poor, so that we who were poor might become rich, so we become poor, that others might become rich. We give and we become poorer so that the good news of Jesus is proclaimed. People receive him and become our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we give because we see members of our own spiritual family in need. I know the theory. (laughs) I've just told you the theory. I am conscious that, especially here, I am far richer than many, even on the salary of a United Kingdom vicar. (laughs) I am conscious that I receive a number of emails from churches in Asia or Africa asking for money from us, and I don't even reply to them. I am conscious that I am often saying no to strangers when they ask me for money. And I know in this whole area it is so easy to feel guilt. But actually we are not called to give because we feel guilty. We may be called to give out of a sense of duty. And that's where the biblical guideline of giving away a tenth becomes a very, very helpful guideline. But more than that, we are called to give out of love. I may ease my conscience by thinking that I do my duty and give a tenth of what I receive. Maybe I give more. That's between God and myself, and God and us, Alison and myself. But I hear Jesus commend the widow who gave everything she had. I hear the command of Jesus to the rich young ruler to sell everything that he has, give to the poor and follow Jesus. And I'm sure that is not a call to everyone. We're urged in the letters of Paul to work and to earn. Why? So that we're able to give. 
And even here, he tells us that we are not to give to others. This is really important. We are not to give to others in a way that means that puts us into a situation of need. He says, I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you. In that sense, we're to imitate the Lord Jesus in becoming poor for the sake of others, but we're not to imitate Jesus, well, not unless he tells us to, to give absolutely everything for others. And I read this passage, I think, I think that, and I read this passage, but I also know I haven't got this. I haven't, that money still holds me, that my treasure is still primarily here and not there, and so my heart is still not fully there. But I hope I am on a journey. I hope I am able to listen to the Spirit. I pray that as I grow older, I will grow in my generosity of time and of money. I pray that the Lord Jesus will become more and more for me, that I will grow in love for him and for his people, that I will give more, 10%, 20%, 30%, it's irrelevant, so that my heart may be there, as I am able to, that I will give to the work of ministry, to the work of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, to the worship of the church, to good courses, but particularly, particularly because it is my responsibility, it is our responsibility, to the needs of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Father God, would you please help us to work this out? Would you please speak to us and teach us? Would you set our hearts with you? And would you fill us with love? In Jesus' name, amen.